Doctor, look. Stand aside, nurse. I'm Doctor Homebrew. Hey, it's Dr. Homebrew. Thanks a lot, everybody, for sticking around for another great episode of Homebrewed Beer. We got it for you. Woo! Is there anything better than listening to guys drinking beer? I can't think of one... I can't think of one thing that would be better than this show right now. Nor can I. And that is because of our sponsor, Five Star Chemicals. They make it possible. They make this show possible. Uh, honestly, <laughs> they uh, they didn't want this show to happen. It wouldn't happen. So thank you very much to Five Star Chemicals. You can go to fivestarchemicals.com to learn about everything you can do to make great beer at home, which is... Cleaning and sanitizing. This is the spoiler that we talk about all the time, but Five Star make the best chemicals to do that with. So check them out, fivestarchemicals.com. If you see them around at any events, which they do a ton of, uh, thank them, please, for us. Thank Get you. those carboys clean and sanitized. Yep. Don't mess with one-star chemicals, no, two-star no, no, chemicals. No. That's just nonsense. Don't do any of that. Yeah. Uh, we have a weird show for you today, guys, but I'm pretty excited about it, mainly because uh, <clears throat> those of you longtime listeners, thanks, Bev. Thank, Thank you, you very much for doing your job. I really appreciate it. Do you want to lie down for a second? You want to rest? Yeah. She wants a participation award. As producer of... What are you, then? You're just a lady who pushes a button? I'm a... Camera switcher. You're a camera switcher. <laughs> oh. yeah, but you're, Keep it on, Brian. You're something that starts with a C and an S. <laughs> camera switcher. It it's, was a... Never mind. This isn't some kind of weird sour hour thing like where we're pretending Beverly's here. She's actually here. She's right here no. right now. She's a cartoon no, sideshow. Yeah, you're actually um, you're actually here. I don't know why. I'm here. <laughs> Either. Because you you, you're a C word, S word. You're a camera switcher. You're lucky you added that S. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, we have uh, some homebrew from uh, Dr. Homebrew Brian. I had some stuff in my fridge, and we had somebody get sick. <laughs> so we have some uh, recovery beers. Not from beer, I hope. Yeah, no, not from drinking Brian's beer, of course not. And then I was at the store, oddly enough, today, and I happened to find some Guinness... Milk Stout. It's called mm. Over the Moon, mm. and it's from their brewery in Beemore in Balmore. Uh, and we talked about we talked to the uh, the guys at Guinness several months back on the session, and uh, they said they were producing some some other stuff. I'm shocked that it it made it out this far. I've, I've never had it before. I have no idea if it's any good, but I thought we could bring it in and uh, maybe not necessarily do a commercial calibration, but at least talk about it and see how the boys over at Guinness are are, are doing with the mold milk stout because they're definitely not they're not doing proper Guinness out there in Beemore. They're doing. You know, sort of other styles. So that is a cute little box. It's a cute little box, right? It's blue, light it's a friendly, blue, happy little moon on it. Yeah. You know, the cow jumped over the moon. Hence, yeah. cow jumped, cows milk, milk stout. You know, I bet this is yeah. something you'd get pretty much around the country. If we're getting this at like the grocery store in the Bay Area, you know, three thousand miles away. I bet this is pretty much national distribution. I mean, that's what, what I think what too. Think? Yeah, for sure. So you, if you're if you're uh, well, listen to our broadcast about it, our, our podcast here, and then. 
If we like it, go out and get it. Or if we don't like it, go out and get it anyway, too. Who cares? Yeah. Just go just go buy it. Sweet Stout is a fun style. I like it's a really interesting balance to that style and and the you know, the classically, you know, called milk stout. So um, they are not different. Sweet Stout is a milk sweet stout. Sweet Stout, milk stout, interchangeable, but yeah. yeah. Okay. Just happens to be what the BJCP calls it now, sweet. Sweet. Oh, but it used to be just milk it's, stout. It's got milk sugar in it, so lot, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Fun fact, Jason, Lactose. you may recall from BYOB TV that uh, Team Two Point Five Men brewed a milk stout, one of the recipes that we won early on in the show at the Twenty First Amendment, toward the end of the BYOB TV run as kind of our prize for winning something like an episode seven. I don't know. Episode eight. <laughs> Literally don't remember. <laughs> yeah. It's to me as well. I watched that whole series. It's been like eight or nine years ago. Yeah. I remember it because I got to brew with Zambo and other teammates there at the little the S- yeah. SF 21st Amendment pub. And yeah, 5632nd Street. Like, hey, yes. my friends are on Interwebs TV. Cool. Local <laughs> access. I have, the, I have that show somewhere on DVD. When are you going to reboot? Let's oh, do a reboot. Too. I would love to. Well, uh, you know what we need is we need an actual producer. Uh, I mean, because that we had we made no money on that show. That money had no budget and no not not well, not not bad. It wasn't a, it wasn't a shot at Bev. It was like for the TV the TV producer. Yeah. Um, well, only Justin cares about that. Let's, let's yeah. promise him we'll make a million dollars, yeah. he'll break even, and we'll just have some fun. Uh, we, we made a fun, it was a good time, entertaining though. show for like twelve bucks. Yeah, yeah, something like that, man. Every time we wanted to do something, we we come up with a game. Like I would come up with games, and Jay would be like, "Okay, uh, we can't do that." <laughs> I'm like, "Okay, well, how about this? Yeah, let me run it, but no, we can't do that." The so say no. Yeah, it was very hard coming up with games, but uh, you can't I think, pull your penis out on TV. Just, yeah. Sorry, <laughs> I'm trying Coffee to. 20. I'm trying to remember like of the different stuff. Like I know for that cooking challenge, I really wanted um, Rocky Mountain oysters, but. <laughs> We couldn't find them anywhere in the Bay Area, and then yeah, the ones uh, we could, we had to ship in, and we couldn't afford yeah. to pay for it. And it's like, yeah. to me, that's funnier. That would have been that would have been hilarious, yeah. but uh, you know, I, I didn't forget what the ingredients were now for the yeah. cooking competition. Like for yeah, I, I remember some, but yeah, we had to go to Safeway and get something. But yeah, uh, I you know that was we brewed in the finest parking lots or the finest breweries and homebrew stores of the Bay Area. True, and that was very evident. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it was weird, man, but uh, God bless. All right, so basically what's going to happen is uh, if you're a fan of Brian Shaw, you get to hear a lot of him today. Hell yeah, you do. Not, who's not a fan of me? Not balanced by Brian Cooper or myself, because I'm not going to say another word for the rest of the show. I'll chime in sideways once in a while. <laughs> I <laughs> no. might even remember my recipes. Oh, we'll see. Oh, that'd be good. Yeah, so we're going to take a quick break, and then, uh, we're, like I said, we're going to come back. We're going to drink a Brian Cooper's home brews. We're probably going to run through both of them just to talk about you know, his uh, performance and how, how they are, you know, style-wise, maybe not necessarily an entire BJCP sheet like we do all the time, but who knows? It might just be more conversational. Um, and then we'll tackle this uh, Guinness Sweet Stout. What yep. do you guys think? Sounds like good. Sounds a good time? Let's do it. I think that's no. awesome. All right. Well, you have to say that. Both of you have to say that. I don't know if you knew that. All right. Hang on, everybody. Uh, we'll be right back. Examination. All right. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. 
So, Mr. Cooper, what are we drinking right now? What's the very first homebrew of yours? I don't have we we've done homebrew from you on the show, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah my okay. sours and my weird stuff. Okay, but this is a uh, a grapefruit. I'm I'm calling it a grapefruit blonde ale. Grapefruit blonde ale. What category is this, please? It's it's a fruit beer. Fruit beer. Twenty nine uh, in the most recent guidelines. Twenty nine A. If you want to use a letter with it, but it's just well, twenty nine. You know who doesn't? Let's be honest. All right, Brian Shar. All right, I'm giving Brian Cooper his uh, Dr. Homebrew performance review uh, for the, the Dr. Homebrew Hospital to make sure he can retain his uh, privileges here at the uh, Hospital of Homebrew Diagnosis and stuff. Uh, and I, I believe that you pass your uh, your review here, uh, Mr. Cooper. Mm. Uh, the Grapefruit Blonde. Uh, it was really, I really like this beer a lot. Uh, aroma. The grapefruit was prominent. Both the fruit part and the zest and like a little bit of the pith. You know, I don't I don't eat grapefruit a lot. It's really tasty, but you, know, you, you cut that thing in half, and you got to do a lot of cutting, and you have the mm-hmm. the fruit, and inevitably you kind of cut that bit of the fruit out, and you get a little bit of that white pith. And that's partly what makes eating grapefruit as opposed to drinking the grapefruit juice like really fun. Plus, like if you're a kid, you just sprinkle like a shit ton of sugar on that stuff, and that's pretty awesome. But now, that that combination of the fruit and the pith is really part of the experience, and you get that in the I get that in the aroma a lot. Uh, it's it's not just the fruit; it's a little bit of that that white grapefruit pith right next to the fruit. Uh, malt is low, kind of some base malt low in the background. That's fine. The grapefruit dominates. No off aromas. Don't get any acetaldehyde or diacetyl or anything. Uh, give it nine out of twelve. Uh, appearance. Uh, two out of three. Uh, it's interesting reading the guidelines. The color is golden. The color's pretty dark for a blonde. And I'm thinking, all right, I'm going to have to give Brian a, uh, a, a one out of three for appearance because that color is too dark. When you look at the guidelines, a blonde can be golden to dark gold. I did not know that. So it's nice to, uh, it's why it's nice to have a refresher. Blonde is not a style that is super popular these days. Uh, or is the thing that comes up in competition a lot. That's why you have guidelines and you write them down. So you can go and uh, ground test this stuff, you know, ground truth against some sort of known uh, standard. So uh, color is fine. Uh, low and persistent head, which is fine. Uh, it was more hazy than I really would expect a blonde to be, uh, probably due to the, the grapefruit pectin or something, but I didn't end up knocking it off a point to two. Flavor, uh, initial flavor is definitely grapefruit. You get that the fruit and the pith. Uh, you know, it's uh, uh, it's dominant, and it's also pleasant. Uh, get malt is is low. You have a fruit fly in yours. Yeah, we got a lot of fruit flies in the studio tonight. Not that it uh, uh, matters to you at home, but yeah, I've been kind of using the uh, the pen top. I can give you a pen top here. Kind of using that little thing to like. Dig fruit flies out of my beer here. That's probably a pretty good idea. Uh, Malt is low um, compared to the grapefruit level. Balances to the fruit. It's well attenuated. Finish is fruity uh, and also bitter as well as long. I don't think a hot bitterness is super high, but it's perceptible and it's there. And I think it marries with the grapefruit bitterness to kind of have that be the character of of the finish. the hop flavor may be present, but it's obscured by the grapefruit. If it's citrus hop flavor, it's going to be just lost in the in, in the, the citrus grapefruit. Uh, so I give that 14 out of 20 for flavor. 
Uh, Mouthfeel, four out of five. Uh, body's medium. There's uh, no warming. It's creamy, not astringent. Uh, those are all perfectly fine. The carbonation is lower than I would have would have liked, which is uh, not uncommon for uh, a bottled homebrew that gets judged. So four out of five. Overall impression is an eight. The grapefruit's really pleasant. It's it's dominant, but without making this grapefruit water. You know, I, I, I go through and talk about how the grapefruit's dominant in, like, every character, but it's not like drinking one of those uh, White Claw seltzer things where all you get is, like, carbonation and fruit and, and nothing else. So uh, I thought it was really well done. The fruit is also... The fruit character's really fresh. So I'll be curious to find out, like, did you take actual live live like actual grapefruit fruits and cut these up and zest them or something or how the grapefruit flavor got in overall gave this 37 out of 50 thought it was really well done uh definitely falls in the very good to excellent boundary uh and i liked it a lot and i'm gonna have a a little more uh in this glass while you tell us about how you uh made this beer okay well uh this was a pico batch and i did um in the um the malts, it had a RAR uh, two-row. Uh, so this is a um, like a three-gallon batch. Uh, five pounds of RAR two-row, uh, one and a half pounds of German Vienna, uh, a half a pound of cane sugar, and a quarter pound of American Crystal Forty. Why uh, the uh, why the cane sugar? Out of curiosity. Well, this was intended to be. An IPA, so ah, uh, okay. So you wanted to dry it out a little bit. Yeah, um, and it was based on a, a session IPA I made on my my Pico brew, and I just upped everything a little bit on that, and um, I added a little crystal because it was I, I was using Vienna. But I, I like kind of sometimes I like a little bit of that classic kind of crystal flavor in there. But I just I went really light with it just to blend in with some of the other flavors. Um, the hops used in it were. Um, Basically, um, all whirlpool hops, um, an ounce of mosaic, uh, an ounce of citra, and I have to go to my Dropbox to see the rest. And it's now a, that you say mosaic, I kind of pick yeah, that out now. Yeah, it's uh, um, def- definitely taste the mosaic now that you say that's there. Uh, citra and Idaho 7, and I use the citra cryo wow. hops. So one ounce yeah, the Idaho in, 7, in I, it's interesting how, how close... The how complementary the mosaic and the Idaho Seven are to the grapefruit pith. I think that's partly what I was perceiving as the think, pith. Yeah, when you're talking about the pith, I'm like, oh, he's getting that hoppiness. <laughs> yeah, and, it, and it's also an example of how malleable your sense of taste can be when you actually right. hear what stuff are is. But yeah, that mosaic <laughs> has that kind of uh, that, that kind of pith type flavor sometimes. And Idaho Seven, I see that definitely mm. being in that that family. Okay. What but, else? But here's the thing: it, it 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 didn't taste like an IPA when it came out. I was just like, yeah. Okay, the hops fell flat. I you know I, I um. Well, they blended uh, with the fruit too well. True. Yeah. Well, they didn't stand out like, hey, it's an IPA. It didn't. Yeah. It was too good of a blend with the grapefruit. I you think. did too good, Brian. You did too good of a job. I pitched. So I pitched it with the WLP uh, ninety, uh, the San Diego Super Yeast. Okay. And uh, the White Labs Pure Pitch with uh, no starter, but in a three gallon batch, I figured it'd be fine. Yeah. Um, you know, pitched it in the middle of the night after brewing, probably after having a few too many beers, but mm. uh, and I had. No activity by the next evening. 
I swirled the keg. Well, you're married. I still had very little activity. So I, I, the next um, day, I pitched a pack of the the BRY ninety seven American West Coast East the Bry ninety seven. Finally, yeah, Bry Brian. Mm. Fermentation kicked off about twenty four hours later. By by the I think I brewed on Sunday evening. It kicked off by Tuesday evening. I'm like didn't have high hopes for this beer. Uh, I tasted on, you know, uh, about a month after I brewed it, and uh, had transferred it, and it was just not hoppy at all. It was just like weird. It was just odd, weird. I thought I got a little phenolic in it. What did you do? I mean, do you really like, think it's it's just the the fruit sort of like overpowered it? So, well, there's no fruit yet. I'm tasting it as an IPA. I'm like, what am I oh, going to do with this? you haven't put any grapefruit oh. in yet. Okay. What am I going to okay. do with this beer? Uh, and uh, What do you think happened? I, it just... It, I don't know. The hops okay. just didn't come through the okay. way I wanted them to. Okay. It can happen. So you think it's a recipe issue, not that you like, yeah, forgot I mean, I, I a thing I probably should have just dry hopped it more or, yeah. you know. Okay. Um, Sorry. Go ahead. Anyway. Uh, so, or dry hopped it at all. I think I just, uh, <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> right. I just did Whirlpool. Yeah. My notes just say Whirlpool hops and that that's all I did. Okay. Sometimes I'm very, I'm a very lazy brewer. Yeah, man. Um, Me too, man. In spite of all these great lengths we tell people to go to to make the best beer, you know, do a triple decoction on that thing to get it right. And then, uh, yeah, you should just make a big yeast starter and, you know, decant it and cool it and do all these things. Yeah, no. And yet what happened when you didn't make a yeast starter, Brian? I was – we were preparing for for beer camp, uh, which we call uh, NCHF, the Northern California Homebrewers Festival. I wanted another beer to bring. It didn't actually end up being served there, which is kind of nice because I still have it, and it's pretty enjoyable the way it is now. (laughs) Um, I'm looking at around. I'm like, what am I going to do with this? It's not hoppy enough. It's not, not an IPA. It's got a little bit of an odd flavor to it to me. And, uh I took a. We had been to HomebrewCon, and uh, my buddy Jeff and I had been running around and and gathering samples of things, um, in uh, you know, the, the the little area where they have all the vendors. What is it called? But that's uh, so unusual for you to grab like little samples of everything to put together. In a, <laughs> I think there was some, some like you know, a hard cider or something or a hard uh, a hard seltzer they had, and uh, we went and around the corner was the Amaretti booth. Okay, yeah. And we we spiked those the seltzers with these all these different flavors. I'm like, these flavors are pretty good. <laughs> and they were giving away tons of everybody got a sample of the grapefruit and then in the oh, end yeah, they had a bunch yeah, of that yeah. left over, these little um little little craft puree, grapefruit extract amaretti mm-hmm. and it, it smells good and, and it, when we tested it it mixed well with with uh seltzers and you know nice. if you put it in any beers but yeah, just um, it was it, the size of the bottle was geared for about two and a half gallons of beer. I had a three gallon batch. I'm like, hey, that's perfect. So yeah. I just, you know, wing in a prayer, dumped it in and uh, tasted. It. I was like, hey, that's yeah, it's big grapefruit flavor, <laughs> it, but it tastes, you know, it's it doesn't scream artificial grapefruit to me. I mean, I can I can tell that it's got a little kind of candy like yeah, to it. For myself. for me the the flavor that I get is like a, a Flint, the Flintstones vitamin flavor. Yeah. Or like uh, so it's a little chalky, a little like artificially sweet like that. I don't know if they put so, any sweetener in it or not, but um I think there is some sugar in there, but yeah, it's I mean, talk about a, a little bit of a cheat, but it's just like I made a beer that kind of 
was falling flat yep. into something that's drinkable and fun. Yeah. And, and I mean, important. it came across really natural and fresh fruit to me, yeah. which is really fascinating. They do they do a pretty good job those guys. Yeah, not I, I would use that those extracts again. It's it's uh I wonder if it's if it's too much. Like there it does have good grapefruit flavor yeah. and that like classic grapefruit thing, but yeah. I think everything else in that extract, I think it might be just a little too much yeah, and so you're coming you you get some of that vitamin chalky if thing. If I had to do it again, I would definitely back off on the grapefruit a bit. Yeah. Can you pour me a little bit of that? I've yeah, also a little, enjoyed a little grapefruit back off would be a, probably yeah. a good idea. When I, oh, yeah, when, I, I think so too. when I'm able to, I'm like, what would this taste like as an IPA? So I mixed it with some some Altamont Maui Wowie from my kegerator. Mm-hmm. And it was good. It's good? Okay. Because I'm going to mix it with some of this um, uh, Danville Brewing uh, Nelson IPL, yeah. and we're going to see what happens here. Yeah, because I think you could you can get those grapefruity hops, and you can use this for like an accentuation yeah. of that. You know, so now it tastes like a grapefruit IPA, even though okay. it's an IPL. I mixed with it. It's right, less, that's a daring choice on the it's air. Still line. plenty yeah. fruity, that's but. Uh, I just want to point out that I'm 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 an amazing uh, I'm amazing I can't write it down but man I have the great ideas. <laughs> Thank you. I, I give Brian extra marks for his performance review right now. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it, yeah, it's a good blending beer. But yeah, I would definitely back off on the the grapefruit um, extract. Yeah. I would probably use that much in a in a five gallon batch and start there and maybe go up from yes, there. Yeah. For sure, because you can always kind of add Because when you stuff. taste the, the ones that are more balanced, they've got a lot less grapefruit in them uh, when it's an IPA balance of the grapefruit, because otherwise you just can't taste the hops. Right. At this point, you know, the hops weren't there. I just blended it to make something drinkable, and I'm like, well, I'll call it a blonde because the hops weren't there to start with. You know, and granted, it's about it's probably it's probably six and a half percent. It's like it was like a ten sixty starting gravity, which is a little high for a blonde ale, but not too noticeable under all that fruit. So yeah, you know, fun I, beer. I'm leaning toward you retaining your admitting privileges for admitting homebrews to the uh, <laughs> hospital here, Brian. Okay, well, where, where are we going next? We got one beer left, though, so hold on to that. Yeah, uh, hold on, hold on to that assessment, Brian. The leaning toward yes. So if you haven't heard me talk enough, let me talk some more. About Brian's American Strong, Category 22B. Uh, this was an interesting uh, interesting beer. Aroma, uh, low hop aroma uh, overall. Kind of low aroma in general. It got a piney character. I'm going to guess Chinook, and I'll be curious later to hear about your recipe. Uh, for a strong ale, I was surprised not to get any alcohol in the nose. I did get like a, a low pumpkin squash kind of acetaldehyde from this uh, so i gave this seven for aroma appearance uh three out of three uh dark copper in color there's a slight haze which is okay for this style it was not an, enough of a haze to make me uh, knock this down a point uh head is large tan and persistent uh flavor flavor is initially kind of a muddled malt uh character it's so a little uh, a, a little pumpkin slash acetaldehyde, uh, piney hop flavor comes up mid palate. Uh, alcohol, which wasn't really noticeable in the aroma, is definitely present in the finish at a low low medium level. Finish is long; it's uh, uh, bitter and kind of uh, balanced with the malt, but it's maybe balanced a little toward bitterness. Uh, surprisingly, the flavor overall I thought was kind of low. There's a lot going on in this beer, and it's flavor. There's stuff here, but when you, I just sip this, the flavor intensity on a scale of you know one to three is like a one. 
which is kind of bizarre, but sometimes you get beers like that. It's not nothing wrong with it. It's not bad. It's just the flavor intensity is not not real high. Uh, it's well attenuated, uh, which is good for a, a strong beer. That could be a difficult uh, challenge. I get this 11 uh, out of 20 for flavor. Uh, Mouthfeel, there's definitely uh, low warming at first as I continued drinking the sample. Uh, the warming went up to, to medium. Uh, body's medium. It's really more, more creamy than perky or astringent. Uh, carbonation is low. And that's, I knocked off a point for carbonation. Uh, I do that to myself. You know, it's not like all of us don't have problems uh, with carbonation when we bottle uh, homebrew. True. Uh, so this is a four out of five for mouthfeel. Uh, overall impression, I gave it a six. Uh, overall, it's a pleasant beer. Uh, it's low in flavor, despite the fact there's alcohol and clearly a lot of fermentables in here. Uh, and maybe uh, additional malt complexity. This is kind of the paradox of attenuation, right? You want a well-attenuated beer, but sometimes it's so well-attenuated, I think it attenuates the flavor away with it. Mm-hmm. And maybe an additional complexity. You can't assume this was a, a, a grain, a, 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 a full uh, all grain, all, all grain. Yeah, how come I? I it would take a home. It would grain. take a homebrew to explain. Yeah, yeah exactly. Fine, yeah. Sometimes, but it's <laughs> whether you're brewing all grain or extract. Maybe a little more malt complexity with additional extract or or grain would be nice, and it might help it uh, you know, ha- add a little more flavor. Okay. Uh, still, it's a good beer. I gave it a 31 out of, out of 50. Uh, you know, maybe there's a little, be a hint of acetaldehyde, and that might just be me. There's something a little odd about the flavor and the aroma. Yeah. And I'm kind of leaning toward it being acetaldehyde, but it's really kind of tricky. I'm having a difficult time thinking about what specifically it is, and I'm leaning toward that slight pumpkin character, but I might be talking myself into it. No, No, I think you're right. Yeah, it's definitely there. It's a little green apple, but it's also a little underripe, kind of squashy thing, and I don't know what it's it's from. uh, Pumpkin skin. It's from a very sluggish fermentation. Yeah. Okay. I definitely get uh, another. She say green apple. That's like yeah. That's mm-hmm. not green it's on the apple tart like a side. Granny Smith, but no. green apple like you. This is underripe from the backyard. I don't want mm. to eat this. Yeah. So Brian, tell us about your uh, recipe and your fermentation, uh, so we can replicate it. It yeah. sounds like it was sluggish. So like I didn't. You were to say. I, I really didn't want to bring this on the show because I need to do this. <laughs> I need to do this properly another time. I know I should have brought my shitty beer because instead, but it was stuck in my keg. That's okay. No, that's okay. So um, this was my first attempt, and I, 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 I probably I did a few things wrong. I think in that um, I, I ordered uh, some pico packs of my own uh, beer, my the kick your own ass <laughs> ale, and I did. Um, I, I they sent me one for free just because it's my recipe, and it, it sat around for a long while, and then I decided to order another one, and. Um, the first one, I, I stored the yeast, and it was in the fridge for quite a long time. On the second one, I was lazy, and I left it in the box until I got around to brewing it. And I'm like, oh, I never put that yeast in the fridge or the hops in the freezer. Because the first one, I separated all that stuff out meticulously and, and did that. But, uh, yeah, it's 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 um, it's definitely got some acetaldehyde. So, the, you know, I just 
um, you know, pitched in the, the, the yeast, one of them that had been in the fridge for a long time and one that had been sitting at room temperature for God mm-hmm. knows how long. Mm-hmm. And um, neither one of them, I did two, you know, one and a half gallon batches side by side because I wanted to get at least a half a keg out of this thing. So yeah. uh, that's why I bought the second one. But, um, you know, um, <laughs> it's, it's so, yeah, just buying the Pico pack and and doing, you know, the the the, the Z, the Pico Z uh, makes makes good wort. Yeah. But if you don't take care of that wort, it's not going to give you good beer. And, right. It's, it's like anything else. And that's all on me. That is all on me. <laughs> and this is my own recipe we're talking about. So I'm slightly embarrassed even just talking about it. Well, you should be. To be but, completely I was honest. guessing this yeah. might be kick your own ass yeah. ale that went wrong. Hmm. So it it is Chinook hops, um, and yeah, Ooh, the, I got the Chinook hops right. Yeah, it did smell and taste piney. Uh, so this is supposed to be a bold, arrogant brew with rich malt notes, <laughs> grapefruit, and pine aroma, and a dry finish with firm alcohol throughout. Um, you know, American strong ale. You know, target specs are ABV at seven point nine. Uh, it has two row crystal malt and flaked oats, and only Chinook hops in it. SRM around 14, IBUs around 86. Uh, actually, so the the beer did not ferment well, um, and I I have hopes of rescuing it. I have hopes of um, doing like a croisoning, even though it's carbonated now. I want to pull the carbonation out and re. Actually, I, I just want to start over and do it again sometime. Mm. So we'll do this it. Was a, a, a failed experiment, and I'm sorry. I, go home. I, I, go home right now. You I have knew, our, you, our permission to leave the show early. You subtract five points from the score, yeah. and and please just. Love it. But the odd thing to me is, I I agree with the tasting notes that it does. Um, it does taste dry, and um, you know it has that odd pumpkin skin thing to it. Yeah, but the um, the actual finishing gravity on this uh, was at ten twenty. It finished at really? 10 Wow. So it only that's got to like, and that's why it's, it, it's not as much alcohol as you would get otherwise. It's like, you know, barely seven, uh, or it should be around eight. Uh, but it's, you know, it's just. Um, Still get some yeah, warming quite, from this. Right there where it is. There, yeah. there is some warming. I, I would feel like, wow, it should be much sweeter than it is. But there's something, you know, I think that the, and I brewed it with distilled water as they recommend for those. And um, the mineralies, mineraliness that they use in there to, um, you know, give that dry uh, mouthfeel is working overtime maybe to, to <laughs> double up and, and uh, make it something that tastes dry even though it actually isn't. So, like, I, if you, I'm going to – because I taste the same thing you do. I, if I put this in a hydrometer, I'm, I'm sure it would still say – maybe it – because I mixed the two batches. Maybe it adjusted a little bit and dried out a little more. I'm not sure, but – uh, it's been chilled most of the time, so I don't think it's dried out anymore or had more yeah, time probably to ferment. Not. I, no. I left Bless it out you. to try to, you know, try to clean out some of that, that, uh, green apple and, um, you know, but so I have, I have plans for, for doing this again and I will, I'll bring a true test. This is not the true test. Mm-hmm. So please don't advertise this as, as uh kick your own ass ale. I'm going Lose my good <laughs> reputation and lose my credentials as a doctor of homebrew uh, with this. All right, Brian. Right. As long as you can guarantee me some good tea times for the next calendar yeah. year, I'm inclined to recommend that you retain your homebrew admitting privileges at the hospital here. I'll bring the grapefruit ale, buddy. All right. Sounds good. 
All right, everybody, uh, hang tight real fast. We're going to take a quick break. We're going to come back. We're going to try this over-the-moon milk stout from Guinness in Beemore, in Balmore. The homies homies representing flat build caps, Timberlands, gray sweatpants. We're all about it. We'll be right back. Hello, fellow BNers. This is Sully from the 21st Amendment Brewery located in San Francisco, just two blocks from Giants Park. Before Nico and I opened the 21A and before I was a professional brewer, I homebrewed on my small four-burner apartment stove in a back house in Santa Monica, California, making my extract brews before graduating to the daunting idea of all-grain brewing. Homebrew books and information was hard to come by back then. The Internet hadn't been invented yet, along with other things we take for granted today, like electricity and potable water. One thing I wish I had back then when I was learning was a radio show that could teach me the ins and outs of brewing and answer questions that I had about homebrewing, a resource for making great craft beer. The 21st Amendment Brewery is excited to be a proud sponsor of Dr. Homebrew, a great show that teaches you what you need to know about making incredible beer. Good stuff. Listen up, you might learn something. I certainly did. And thanks for your support. Tasty Crack Kings. The leader in affordable, high-quality kegerators is here. Introducing Comos, the kegerator designed with serious beer drinkers in mind. It features an all-stainless steel draft tower, a major upgrade over traditional chrome-plated brass towers, and Comos keeps your new tower cold with their air-cooled tower fan, wrapping your beer lines in frigid coolness. Your beer is poured from innovative forward-sealing faucets that don't leak, so they stay cleaner for longer. Dual gas inlets on the rear of the fridge allow you to run both CO2 and nitrogen gas. Serve your beer with CO2, serve your kegged wine, or even cocktails with nitrogen. The digital temperature display has the largest range available, allowing you to use the Comos Kegerator for fermentation if you need to. And now Comos Kegerators ship with duo-tight draft fittings for that click-to-connect assembly we've all dreamed of. Buy direct from ComosDraft.com and receive free shipping on your order. That's K-O-M-O-S Draft.com. I'm sorry to tell you this, but we're going to have to pour you out. Back to Dr. Homebrew. All right, everybody. Thanks for sticking around. I'm about to tear into this pack. I feel like uh, I feel like it's Christmas because it's a brand it new is Christmas. beer from Guinness um, that I am uh, excited to drink. It's a brand new beer. How many times do you get like one of your favorite beers to release a, a brand new beer? Especially, does that have a can, I love Guinness, can on date. Well, so here's the date code, man. It's I, and I was trying to look it up. I don't understand it. It's Seven five four eight six two one one two nine three four eight two, and then the second line is L nine two four one T two zero zero two one. Excuse me, zero zero one seven. That's the start date, and the second one is the globular cluster where that was uh, brewed. So that's just from the future. That's okay. Uh, okay, I got a globular cluster. Mm. I have to get it removed. You know what? You're opening that up. I want to talk briefly, talking about beers from your from larger breweries that you like. Sierra Nevada Narwhal. I have a six-pack in my fridge I got the other day, uh, the first one. Imperial Stout from them. Oh, my God, that is so amazing and so well attenuated and just so tasty. It's nice. To, it's a seasonal release. They don't make a lot of it. It's always nice when it comes out. Here, here. 
Jason is smelling the milk stout from the can. Smell the can. So it, there is a date on the bottom. Um, in Baltimore. Yeah, I, I, now I want to find out why you guys talk about it. L nine two four, dude. L seven. One T two zero zero two. Let's go, boys. Okay. I don't. It smells good, right? What do you think? It Aroma's smell kind of low um, overall, but it smells it smells good. I like canned nine twenty nine nineteen. So that's pretty fresh for something like this, man. Yeah, just two months old for making it all the way across the country. And I think for a milk stout, that's fine, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. This is not like a hop. It's the hop-forward styles that really don't travel that well, and especially the hazies. Yeah. Uh, darker beers that aren't so hop-forward can can last for a while, especially if they're cared for in transit. I like this beer. This has more uh, roasted grain aroma than like coffee or chocolate, really, to me. There's, there's a little bit of cocoa. Like kind of, um, you know, bitter, bitter cocoa and uh, roast in the nose. Yeah, yeah, I get kind of that dark chocolate, uh, uh, bitter cacao, a, cocoa yeah. sort of a, like the baking chocolate. There's a hint of some sweetness in it, but it's not very fruity. No, it's 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 clean. Uh, you know, no 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 baddies, no diacetyl. What's the uh, the number on this? Brian, I know you have it. You're like the, the the BJCB dictionary. The number? Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, the, starting gravity? No, no, the category. Oh, a 16A. 16A. Sweet stout. Oh, under, okay, dark British beer, sweet stout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, and the most of the names in the commercial examples are like left-hand milk stout, you know, uh, Mackison's triple X stout, um, yeah, Samuel Adams cream stout, those, you know. Uh, Bristol Factory, Bristol Beer Factory Milk Stout. Uh, can suggest coffee and cream or sweetened espresso. That's what you're, that's the yeah, for sure. of the beer. So if you yeah, the overall impression, a very dark, sweet, full-bodied, mm-hmm. slightly roasty ale that can suggest coffee and cream or sweetened espresso. This is on the low end of sweetness for me in terms of milk stouts I've had or brewed. Is it really? Yeah, I mean, I'm not yeah. getting a ton of sweetness in this. I would call it, like, at least medium, if not yeah, medium, medium high, yeah. Maybe because of this other beer I've been drinking, maybe it's affecting my <laughs> yeah. palate. Maybe but, I've been sandpapering my tongues. I don't really... Yeah, I've I've, I've been licking cat tongues to be sure Hell I get yeah. my tongue tough, toughened up here. I love that. Uh, yeah. Uh, but no, I, it's good. I, I'm not getting a giant... It's not an overwhelming... Sometimes you have a milk stout, and it's like, oh, God, this is just the sweetness is overpowering. Yes. And I guess my point is this is not on that end of the spectrum. This is more on the restrained end of the spectrum. And I like it. I think it's really, uh, it's balanced. Do you want to go through the thing, or do you want me to do it, Brian? Sure. All right. Uh, Yeah, so in the aroma, you should be getting mild roasted grain, sometimes with coffee and or chocolate notes. An impression of cream-like sweetness often exists. Fruitiness can be low to moderately high, diacetyl low to none, hop aroma low to none with floral or earthy notes. I don't get, I mean, maybe there's a little fruitiness because I think that Guinness sort of, that Guinness yeast profile is there. Like when you try it, it's distinctively a Guinness. Yeah. It's distinctively a Guinness beer. And so I think it does have some of those maybe red They're, apple fruitiness things to it. They make really dry, you know, yeah. stouts, so... Uh, but de- definitely cream-like sweetness. 
Um, you know, if, if you're talking fruitiness, like maybe like a red apple, then yeah, for sure. Um, diacetyl low to none. Absolutely. Hop aroma low to none. I don't get any hops in this aroma at all. Well, I'm getting, I mean, a, little, maybe, I'm getting a little earthiness. In yeah. It. That's what I was going to say. Like, yeah, it's yeah, got yeah. like maybe some fuggles or something that's giving you know, that like, it's not a hoppy beer by any stretch, but no. There's floral or earthy notes. Earthy balance to it. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, it does have that. It it's, doesn't smell like standard Guinness draft, but no. there is that hint of when you, you kind of really think about it, it's uh, it, it's a flavor that's in that family. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's, yeah. like you're saying, it's probably the yeast. I would think so. Or it might be some similarity in malt profile. Uh, but what's also interesting to me is this is a beer... It's definitely lighter in color. It's more because Guinness is de- yeah. it's de- Guinness is black. It's, this is not black. Uh, yeah. This is a dark Reddish, brown. It's dark not even brown. the darkest brown you could have. Uh, and y- there's definitely the ability to see through it, and not just like at the edges, like a Guinness might have. This yeah. is more of a uh, even more of a medium dark brown than a dark dark brown. You know what I mean? It's very clear too. It, has, it just has those. Yeah, uh, it's very clear. Kind of mahogany highlights and. Uh, yeah, appearance should be very dark brown to black in color. Can be opaque. If not, it should be clear, creamy tan uh, to brown head, which I think it's a lighter tan, lighter to medium tan yeah, uh, on the head for sure. But it's a creamy looking head. Yeah. yeah. I get more sweetness in the flavor as I drink more of this and kind of go away from the one I'd been drinking. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so that was, you know, sorry, Guinness, I, my palate was kind of blown out by the pre, by, my show beer here. Arthur Guinness uh, is rolling in his Arthur tomb. Guinness is slapping. Boy, <laughs> yeah. mate, not even, I'm, I'm not even going to try to be Irish. Sorry, all of our Irish and UK listeners, I apologize for that sound I just made. Uh they let this be brewed in Baltimore? No. What? <laughs> that's a bigger offense. No, that's what he would uh, say. Flavor should be dark roasted grain malt impression with coffee and or chocolate flavors dominating the palate. Hot bitterness is moderate. Medium to high sweetness provides a counterpoint to the roasted character and hop bitterness and lasts into the finish. Low to moderate fruity esters, diacetyl low to none. The balance between dark grains, malts, and sweetness can vary from quite sweet to moderately dry and somewhat roasty. There's kind of a lot to unpack in the flavor category on this range. Yeah, Yeah. there there really is. And I think, to me, what that's a long-winded way of saying it can be pretty much any stout but American. American's (laughs) like really, really hoppy and bitter. Yeah, uh, as long as you throw some lactose in there. Like any British stout style mm-hmm. or range, toss some lactose in that, then you got a sweet stout. Yeah. So again, yeah, you go back to the nose, it's like mild roasted grain aroma. And it does have that. And and the flavor is also, it's not a sharp roast. It's mm-hmm. a really mild uh, roasted grain uh, yes. flavor. And to me, I'm, I want to say something about this beer, and it, it, might, be, it might sound weird, but to me, this t- it tastes like... Baltic Porter Light, you know, like those Ooh. like Polish Baltic Porters that have that hint of sweetness, and then yeah. it has that really mild, yeah, uh, dark malt character alongside some sweetness and um, not super fruity character because you know some yeah. can be lagered, but it's it's got it's like a Baltic Porter almost. This one, mm. that's a really good point, and you know, I'm I'm fortunate that one of my friends in my homebrew club is from Poland. And he will periodically, when he goes home, he'll bring back, like, Polish, mm-hmm. Lithuanian, like, porters and stuff for us to try as a club. How do you say it? Yeah. And now that you've said that, it's like, yeah, there's a lot of, uh, this is like like some of the variants of, like, a Baltica 
mm-hmm. or yeah. something like that. That's maybe just a lighter version. It's a five point three alcohol. Big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Excellent observation, Brian. I just kept tasting. I was like, "What is that?" It's like it tastes like <laughs> it's familiar, but Baltic Porter Light. Yeah, <laughs> um, mouthfeel medium, full to full bodied and creamy. Yeah, I mean it has that. Mm-hmm. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. A low to moderate carbonation. Yeah, high residual sweetness from unfermented sugars enhances the full tasting mouthfeel. Can you have a full tasting mouthfeel? Does a mouthfeel have a taste? I would argue with that. It's a feel. The feel's in the name. It's not mouth taste. Full. And, and again, this is one of those things, BJCP is like, you know, flavor, and you go take the exam, the flavor and the mouthfeel are different. It's, yeah, you're, you're right. The tasting is in, is a flavor and the mouthfeel is a feel. Yeah. We can nitpick that. I mean, the, the, the full mouthfeel complements the taste so they're just trying to explain how that works together yeah. probably so and i'm sure gordon is fixing that for the 2020 revision if there is going to be oh. such a thing i mean it is very it's very full-bodied very creamy i mean that's that's it hits the nail right on the head uh comments gravities are low in england higher in exported and u.s product variations exist with the level of residual sweetness the intensity of the roast character and the balance between the two being the variables most subject to interpretation that's pretty true. Yeah. Some some versions in England are very sweet and low attenuation and also low in ABV, like Tenant's Sweetheart Stout. It's 2%. Mm-hmm. I love low alcohol beers, but I don't know if I would drink a 2% milk stout. <laughs> Man, I don't think I could do it. I don't know. I'm, it's so weird. Because it's just sugar water. I, I mean, I would try it. But it wouldn't be. You know what I need to do is least, take a walk down to the pub for a two percenter. At least get to three, you know. <laughs> right. You know what the show is reminding me of mm-hmm. is the time that I went to the river uh, when I lived in L.A. like in the early nineties to score heroin. Uh, yeah, to score heroin, mm-hmm. of course. Out to the Colorado, and we, we went with some friends. And the rule was a case a man because it's so hot. You got to bring a case per day. Yeah. And for some reason, at the Safeway in Huntington Beach, I could get a, I could get cases of Mackeson, uh, uh sweet stout. And I went to the river with like two cases of Mackeson, and I drank. Jesus. I drank two freaking cases of Mackeson, and as I remember, I might have might have gotten at least a case and a half deep in that over like the course of the weekend. I don't know. I couldn't. I couldn't. That, that's it was, a lot that, of was, that was a damn fine weekend. I think yes. I slept on a picnic table. <laughs> um, <laughs> let's see. The uh, some versions in England are sweet, but uh, it's an outlier compared to the other examples. These guidelines mostly describe the higher gravity, more balanced export versions rather than low alcohol, very sweet versions that many find quite difficult to drink. So. That's sort of a good point. This is a 5.3% beer. Yes. It's brewed by an Irish brewery in America. Is it trying to be an export? Is it trying to be a domestic you it's, know, for, for UK purposes? It's low alcohol. It's not hard to drink. It's actually yeah. very easy to drink. But like Brian says, it's sort of on the edge of this is yeah. very sweet. So I don't know. I'd, it's, it's middle of the road for yeah. alcohol strength. It's, you know, five-ish. Yeah. It's yeah. not, you know, it can go up to six, so... Oh my God. Down, to, down to two or four, but uh, yeah, the two is an outlier. Uh, you know, what I would like more in this, though, is more of a co- coffee and cream impression. Yeah. Espresso. More of a cream than coffee, I think. Oh, actually. It's espresso? Yeah. I would like a little, like, warm, smooth espresso in this, mm-hmm. and it's, it's kind of lacking. Yeah, agreed. But uh, you know, not a bad attempt at the style. It is, it is smooth and it's sweet. So as advertised, you know, um, you could drink a lot of this on a on a nice um, fall day. It, it is still fall, right? Or down down <laughs> yeah. in the van by the river. Uh, Do you, you want to hear some good trivia, Brian? 
Hang on. IDU's torque 20 to 40. Uh, OG is 1044 to 1060. Final gravities are 1012 to 1024. ABV 4 to 6. SRM 30 to 40. Yeah. But yeah, boy, for such a low starting gravity beer, like 1012 to 1024, that's. Yeah. It can get pretty sweet. And, and I would guess this one's on the lower end for final gravity. Too. Yeah, because there's a dryness to it's it. But, medium sweet with yeah. some dryness under, underneath. And it can, it can go, it can lean that direction. I like it. It's, I think it's, it's good. Fun. It is I fun. like it too. Yeah. I'm not sure that I would go buy a six pack of it, but I mm. I like what I'm drinking. I'm enjoying oh, it. Yeah, I I'll might drink a six pack of this. Mid yeah. to upper thirties score yeah. wise. Yeah, I, I agree. This is like a thirty. I give us a thirty five. Yeah, thirty six. Yeah, 37. Uh, yeah. I would do thirty seven, thirty seven because it is it is pretty standard as far as I mean the descriptions. It's sort of right down the middle. It's definitely not a forty. No. I'll tell you that. That's it, true. That's it's a true. beer that is also not going to... You want to drink it now. If you find yeah. it, drink it fresh and don't let it sit and age forever. Yes, it might be a 37. Well, so here's a question. What would you do to to bump the the the, uh, the score? What would you what would you suggest? If this was a homebrew mm-hmm. and, you, and someone sent this in, how would we say, here's how you can make it a 45? Because you're not going to make it a 50. I would like a little more. So it's got the a little bit of the cream. But I would I would add more lactose and I would add more roasts just to get that coffee and cream like it's the double edged sword, boom! Like it, this is a little coffee and a little yeah. cream and a little sweetness mm-hmm. and it's kind of it's yeah. okay. You, you would know? do more little, lactose, a little, ro- little more roast, a little more lactose. I would definitely have more lactose. I would have I I, I would I would up the roast. I think you guys are, I, I agree with you guys because that's the first thing. Yeah. And maybe even like pale chocolate, not even not even like some of the right. funkier. I would yeah. I would go maybe no, some totally pale chocolate agree. in there, or, or even just regular chocolate. Yeah, yeah. yeah. chocolate is a good call. Yeah, and then leave the lactose because for me yeah. it's on that. For me it's on the edge of this is almost too sweet. Like you said, I I, I don't know if I would yeah. rush out and buy another six pack of this. But I'll drink this over the course of like you know an hour or no uh, like <laughs> a week maybe you yeah. know well you know the ad, the added chocolate yeah. or roast will stand up to like maybe twenty five percent more lactose I don't mean like mm-hmm. double the lactose no yeah I mean like sure bump not. it up like a quarter mm-hmm. that's not a lot maybe eighth or even even an eighth and I think that will that the balance then is mm-hmm. more like having a creamy espresso because I can okay. kind of tell when you when you taste a, a beer that has that residual milk sugar in it that that does not ferment out you really taste it and it's yeah. i mean to me it's it's hitting that edge and it's it might be sweet from the other dextrins and stuff that are left in it but it's not that lactose sweetness that you get that creamy cream like mm-hmm. impression yeah milk stout mm-hmm. i don't know it's it's a good beer i i think um they they did a great job with it but oh yeah uh, the, I've had I've had other other ones that I like the balance a little bit better on. So you mm-hmm. know, um, there's always room for improvement. But uh, that's true. It's yep. a very drinkable beer. You could sip a lot of this. Well, if you find it out in the wild, grab some. Yeah, it's very good. Recommend it. And you know what? Drinking an Irish beer, Brian. Our name, Brian, is Irish. Huh? Okay. <laughs> Some Irish descent. There you yeah. go. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot for tuning in to Dr. Homebrew. This is the last episode of 2019. What? The next time you'll hear our voices, provided you don't go back in time, is uh, in the brand new year. 
the brand new decade, 2020. If I'm allowed to keep my credentials here. No, we'll, you are going to we'll be allowed, out. my friend. Okay. And for the remainder of the year. at you in the yeah. 20s. That's right. Uh, thank you very much. While well, we have a, a, a brief second here before the, the song pushes me out. Are the flappers going to um, come back? Yes, have, yes, that's yes right. they will. Thank you very much, everybody, Beverly. for listening to the show. Uh, you guys supporting the show. Sending beers in to Brian at uh, thebrewingnetwork.com, I think is it. Anyway, you guys keep the show afloat. Uh, we really appreciate it very much. Without you, there would be no show. So thank you, first and foremost, to everybody who listens. Um, Please, let's not have ever it. another show where my beer is the only homebrews on it. <laughs> I'm going to fix my keg. <laughs> Do that. All right, everybody. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next year. <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> no. No. Oh, oh, oh.